Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kerland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. We're in the middle of a conversation about riding. Last week, we began an exploration of single rein riding. We talked about what it is, and then we moved on to why. Why would you choose the single rein riding technique? In a nutshell, single rein riding helps to keep both you and your horse safe and for the horse's sound. As we go deeper into a description of the work, you'll understand even more clearly the many good reasons for exploring this type of work. So we are learning to use our bodies with a live informational awareness. Mm -hmm. So when you are under saddle and you slide down to that point of contact, it's not your hand that is the critical part of that. It is your whole body is providing the horse with information about, oh, if I fill in the blank, you know, back up, go forward, drop my head, shift my balance, right, left, you know, whatever it is, there's so much information coming from the rider that we learn how to talk in complex sentences. So it's not just see, dick, run type of sentences as a rider, but it's complex sentences. And that complex Mm. conversation is what, uh, you know, that's when we start looking at research and yeah, you know, all the lateral work and just, or, you know, anything. Because riding out, when you're riding out into the back country, you're not just hopefully just sitting like you're sitting on a couch at home, you know, that, that you are, you're engaged in a conversation. And that's particularly true when you're engaged in the kinds of conversations that I love, which are really about nuance of balance and where the result is this just, you feel like you've died and gone to heaven because the horse feels so good underneath you. So back to the person who's just starting to do this. Um, So there's a bit of a release that is involved. And then there's, because you just said, fill in the blank, whatever you're asking for. But that's also a big piece is what you call the micro shaping right. where you're pulling or you're not, not pulling. pulling. You're, you're, <laughs> so you're... at this point, that 12 year old is out of the picture. Okay. We are not pulling. Right. So now we're going down, we're going down the rain and the horse is starting well in the beginning of the lesson all you do is having a yield of the jaw right the softening of the jaw softening of the jaw but eventually um you want the horse to move so so let's so let's back up okay so one of the things that the single rein riding does first and foremost is it gives you safety how how so so? why more than uh, other well think about think about that horse that you know, was trying to get to the apple tree and that you could redirect that horse away from the apple tree. You know, that the single rein riding 
gives you, first and foremost, it gives you phenomenal um, safety. And so for a, a novice rider, or if you're riding a horse that has issues, you know, in its background, that one of the things that it does is, if let's let's say you you are working as many clicker trainers are, you have a horse that, when you got the horse, had riding issues, so you stopped riding for a period of time. You've done your groundwork. You're now starting to ride mm -hmm. again. That's it. When you start back with the single rein riding, you are, even though it's maybe the same saddle and the same bridle, but the way in which you pick up a rein and communicate with the horse is so very different from what he would have known in the past that you are avoiding the poison cues. Mm -hmm. So you're bypassing the communication, the cueing that would set up the kinds of resistances that... Because the gesture is different. Yeah, yeah. So it's that, you know, what, what Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz says, you know, recreate the mm -hmm. conditions and you get the behavior back. Well, we're not recreating the conditions. Mm -hmm. When you get back on your horse, we're not putting you back and saying, now ride the way that this horse was ridden when he was bucking people off. You're going to be riding very differently. You're not recreating the conditions. You're carrying forward into the riding things that the horse has learned from the groundwork. But you could do it with a bit, bitless bright too, if you wanted. This could still work, the single rein riding with a bitless. Right, it has nothing to the, do with what, whether it's attached to a well-made uh, bitless headstall or whether it's attached to bit. an appropriate Right. Bit. But if, if, if you wanted to recreate a bit more of a new environment and you felt that the bitless could help you in the beginning, you could you could, you could do it. Right. It still works. I mean, it's the same as, right. you know, you can do it with a halter and a lead rope. So you could certainly do it with the right. bitless. It's go. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's go to people for opinions and horses for answers in terms of. I know you you are not the most um, advocate for bitless? There are some forms of bitless that the horses will tell you they do not mm. like, that they create uh, resistance and they create tension in the horse, and the horses will tell you they are not, that they don't like them. But which one do you like? There are other forms of side pulls that sit well on a horse's head that uh, are perfectly appropriate and and are very effective and work well for horses. How would you know if they sit well on a horse's head? You look at how they move. You know, when you, do they, if, are they sliding up into the, the, around the horse's eye when you, you know, when you're... Uh, Activating seen, it. Yeah, yeah you, you, you watch horses in some of the, you know, when you go at some of the big boarding barns where horses are just being lunged in a traditional way and you watch the horse and, and the halter is sliding up on the outside right up against the horse's eye but the hammer can't see that because they're on the mm. inside well that's not that's, that's not, not sitting well on a horse's head right that's not what we're looking okay. for but that that's another yeah. that's another whole topic in terms but, of so we're 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 saying it's yeah. a different gesture so we're avoiding the the poison cue yes so when you first get on and you're working with the single rein riding, you are working with 
within simple systems. And the, the classic starting out lesson, well, there, there are a number of ways that you can start out, depending upon what you set up. So one of the easiest ways to start is on the ground you have set out a circle of cones with mats around the outside. Uh, your mounting block is part of the circle. Your horse is well prepped in terms of knowing that when he lands on one mat, there's another mat to move to and another mat to move to. So it's very predictable what he's going to do. So when you get on at the mounting block, you know pretty much that what your horse is going to do is walk to the next, is walk to the first mat, at which point you can give him a pet and say that was a great trail ride and get off <laughs> and say, survive that one. And then gradually you can move to the next mat, to the next mat, to the next mat. I mean, that's one possibility. One of the exercises that I often will use is one where you have a circle of cones set out and you get on your horse and you pick out a cone that's the far side of the circle. And as long as your horse is heading more or less in the direction of that cone, you leave him alone. If he starts to deviate from the direction of the cone, you slide down and you ask the horse to move his nose in the direction of the cone. And as soon as you get any, even the slightest bit of movement in the direction of the cone, you release and then you can pick up again and ask him to turn his nose in the direction of the cone. And as soon as you get that little change, you release and you may or may not get around that cone that time, but the further the horse is away from the cone, the further down the rein you slide, which will connect you to the horse's hips. This is all described and shown in the videos that you're watching and the DVDs that you're yeah. watching. And so what you learn on a macro level, we haven't, you know, we're, we're not at the nuance level that you will evolve into, but on a macro level, what you learn is that you can indeed steer your horse using the single rein. And if you can steer your horse, if you can turn when you want to turn, you can stay pretty safe. And so that, that first thing of, oh, right, I can steer my horse. <laughs> that's a good thing. And then that's yeah. a good thing, right? That's a good thing. And, and then you learn using the same technique, you learn how to stop your horse. That's also a good thing. That's also a good thing. So now I know how to turn, how to steer. How do I stop? And I know how to how stop. How do I do that? And once I've stopped, well, you're, you, you use your, you've learned how to turn around the cone. So now you pick out a central marker. You might have a, a mat in the middle or a cone in the middle or just a, a weed in the middle of your, your circle. And as you go past that, that weed, you slide down the rein and you ask the horse to begin to turn and you release and you ask again and release and ask again. And that's, so you're basically tacking back and forth. So he turns and as soon as his nose is passing that, that marker, you're, you've changed rein. So if you are on the right rein, now you're on the left rein and you're asking him to turn. And it's a tight turn that you're asking for 
and you just keep tacking back and forth and back and forth. And so there are lots of places where you're saying, yes, that was right. Because every time you release the rain, you're saying, yes, that was right. You can also click and treat. So as you release. So how, how do you use the release versus the click and treat? What's... Okay, well, let's, let's get the stop first. Okay, yeah. Yes, then we'll get to the right. So through that tight turn, there's a point where as you slide down, there's a point in that turn where the inside hind stops going in the direction that it was going mm -hmm. to make the pivot around in the new direction. So there's a point at which one leg stops and then you change and you go the other. But so you keep finding that point where one leg stops and pretty soon what you feel as that horse hesitates in that change, that 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 becomes both a place to release, but also becomes a clickable moment. And you begin to feel from your horse that suggestion that they would like to stop. And you stop as, as they begin to slow down, hesitate, come to a stop. You learn how to accompany a horse into a stop. So your body is learning how to ask for a stop. This is a one of those really sneaky pieces because if you're a novice rider, you your body doesn't have a let's stop in it. You know, it doesn't have that that way of speaking to a horse programmed into it yet. But as you go through these turns and your horse begins to slow down and hesitate, and you follow that horse into a stop, your body begins to learn how to stop with a horse. And as it learns how to stop with a horse, it learns then how to ask a horse to stop. It learns, you know, because if I've, if I've learned what it feels like to stop, I can then begin to move my body in that way and my horse will go, oh, I know what that means. It means stop. So I can start out as a rider who has very little nuance in my body in terms of asking for a stop and end up as a rider who has incredible nuance. And the riding instructor has not said, do this, do that, do this other thing with your body. Because first of all, as an, as an unnuanced rider, even if I could follow those words, I would probably produce something other than what the instructor said. And there's always more nuance than you can put into words. So the process teaches both the horse and the handler. It's very sneaky and it's very powerful and it's very cool because the more you follow it, the more nuanced you and the horse become. Which is why I'm so enjoying the Feldenkrais work right now, because the more, you know, because it, it opens up layers of nuance that are just, when you already are, have a tuned-in horse, and you open up all this, this, these extra layers of nuance, it's just really exciting. So you asked a question about 
Yeah, the clicker, the treats, and the release. How do you use what, when? Well, first of all, because sometimes people ask, can a horse eat a treat with a bit in their mouth? Absolutely. Very safely. So that's a non-issue. And particularly since we're not feeding great gobs of, it's not like we're uh, reaching into our pocket and pulling out a a fistful of long long, uh, strands of hay you know, or grass to feed him. We're feeding little bit. So absolutely. So so the rider uh, just bends a little right. bit and they feed on either side of the head. So I tend to I tend to feed on the side to which the horse is bent. Right. So right. if the horse is if I've been working on the right rein, I feed to right. the right. Unless I'm about to change direction. Oh, and you want to use the food delivery to help you out. Uh, I can use the food delivery to help set up the change okay. of direction. So now, release versus click and treat. One of the reasons that I'm a stickler, actually, for... Which side, you mean? Well, no, for when I oh. click, I I want, you know, I, I'm going to feed is... And, and that I tend, even if I am feeding, if I'm walking forward a couple of steps, when I give the horse... Oh, food, you stop. He's, I've stopped in the horse's right, right. I want the horse to have that programmed in, that patterned in, that at the point where he's going to receive the food, his feet are still. He stops. That's why you don't, when you're handling horse on the ground, you always stop when you feed because eventually when you're riding, you want this. Yeah, yeah. You're not feeding as you're walking, when, even when you handle on the ground. Right. I mean, there are a few instances where I would use the feed and walk, but they are few and mm. far between. So for the most part, you want to stop. so so when I when I click, my horse is going to stop. He's going to bend his head around to the side. I'm going to reach down and forward and give him his treat, and then I'm going to sit back up. And I have to decide: is the sitting up the cue to go forward? Mm. And very, Oftentimes, it becomes the cue to go forward because the rider hasn't paid attention to this nuance. So, you know, I sit up, the horse walks off, I'm happy, the horse is happy. But it's good to be aware of it. That, But it's good yeah. to be aware of it because maybe I don't want that. Maybe one day you want the horse to stay still and you've, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so when I sit up, what I may want is for the horse to continue to stand, mm. click and right. treat. So these are all things think- that to think about and to be part of the teaching process. Mm -hmm. And when I'm prepping a horse for riding, it's often a really good idea to stand at the side of the horse and feed so the horse bends his head around to the side. Because much of the feeding, like in grown-ups, we're encouraging you to feed so the horse's head is is even between his shoulders. Right. Well, if you've only done Mm -hmm. that, and then you get under saddle, and the horse is going... I don't know how to get the food. Right, right. I'm being a good boy with my head between. I'm being a really good boy, but I'm really confused because, you know, where are you? So, you know, you prep Mm. that before you get Mm. on. So, so you've prepped it. But whether you're on the ground or you're riding, the rain works in the same way. So when I slide down a lead or a rain, whether I'm on the ground or under saddle, I'm saying I want something. Mm. So I slide down to that point of connection, that point of awareness, that point of contact. You know, 
I've always used that the expression slide to a point of contact. It's meaningful to me. And it's one of those things where you might say, oh, you should call it something else. Okay, maybe we should. Maybe I'm not a good wordsmith. And I, well, and it does. I like it. I like point of contact. Yeah. But, but it, if it's not meaningful to you, one of the things that I might suggest is that you, you begin to explore, because it's clearly meaningful to me. And then remember in the, when we had the conversation with Anita, how I was describing my experience with Linda Tellington-Jones, where she said she breathed up through her feet. And to me, that was meaningless at that mm. time. But I now know what it means to breathe up through your feet, up through the ground. And that, that going in search of what does that expression mean was just opened up worlds for me. So going in search of what does going to a point of contact mean is worth exploring. So, so we're going to go to that point of contact, point of connection, point of awareness, point at which you stop and where you would not slide down any further. Because if you did, you would be going into the resistance. You would be going into pull. You would be going too far. Mm. And you would be creating resist. You would be getting resistance back. And that would no longer be what you call clicker compatible. It's not what I mm. want. So I'm going to that point of contact and I wait. But I don't wait with a, you know, a passive in a body that's a void. Mm -hmm. It's not my hand that's doing the communicating. So while I'm waiting, say my horse has a, is tight in his jaw. Mm. Well, I'm going to take that time to be thinking about what could I find? What could I release? What is the, where is- In myself, you mean? In myself. Mm -hmm. What am I feeling in myself? I, can, I take that time to do a body scan. Mm. Oh, I was holding my, breath a little bit and I was tight between my shoulder blades. Let me really, oh look, I just released that my horse softened in his jaw. Isn't that cool? Let me click and treat. So I, you know, it's not, I'm not, I'm not waiting with this stiff, passive, getting tighter and tighter body. I'm waiting with a Feldenkrais aliveness. Mm -hmm. And it's so good that we're talking about this. After. After, right, so it can be meaningful. And people, if they haven't listened to those episodes, then we can send them back to the conversation with Anita. So I'm waiting with, and I'm taking advantage of the fact that my horse is not just instantly responding to me to do that body scan through me. And so when my horse releases, I end up releasing as well. So the more, my, the more I slide down, and my horse changes, well, I'm changing too, which is another sneaky part of this. But as soon as he softens, if I'm really on the ball, I'm going to click at that same instant. So my horse has gotten two yeses. He's gotten the release of my hand, of the, of the lead, and he's gotten the yes of the click, followed by the reinforcer. Now, the someone coming from a traditional riding background would might say, well, why bother with that click in the treat if you can say yes with the release? Mm -hmm. Because with if you're just using the release, you're really still staying embedded in the negative reinforcement world. What I want 
is for that slide down to become a hint, to become information that my horse uses to get to his reinforcement faster. Yeah, and we know by now the enthusiasm that this creates. It's a yeah. totally different experience. So totally unless different. someone is really, really new to this, but anyone who's been clicker training know the big advantage right. that it gives us if it's done well. So, if it's yeah. done well. So if I slide down and I'm stabilizing and, and I'm waiting, and, you know, and I'm a novice rider, so there are things that are as they will be as I get better at this. And my horse softens, and I release, and I click. I've given two yeses. That's a lot of information for my horse. And I slide down again, and my horse releases, and I click, and I treat, and pretty soon I've got a clean loop. I begin to slide down, and I know that as I slide down, my horse is going to be softening and I can click and reinforce. So let's just describe what we mean exactly by softening. What does it look like? It isn't a thing. So it could be, so it's a give is the body part that you're interested in comes alive with energy and moves in the direction that you desire. So a softening, it depends upon what body part you're focusing on. So we're talking about the jaw now. If you're a novice rider, it could be on a macro level of your horse takes his head and moves it, let's say you're on the right rein, and, and begins to move slightly to the right. That could be what you read as a give. Or it could be more refined in that you feel, you know, because in the same way that we can lock up our jaw, you know, you can be tight in your jaw and clamp your jaw. I can't do it because I'm talking. Or you can soften and move and mobilize your lower jaw. So it could be as uh, much more nuanced where you feel that, that mobilization in the TMJ or where you feel that slight give at the pole where the horse's skull connects to the spine. You hear, feel that that softening, that, that little bit of a nuance give to the side. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's, it's not, it's no, not. It's not a great big movement. It's not big. As a matter of fact, you you don't want it to overflex. You you don't want that. Right. This, this would be. You're looking for the initiation of movement. So if we think about movement cycles, I'm not waiting to see that the horse has turned his head all the way, all the way around to the side. I'm looking for. What is the smallest bit that I'm aware of that my horse is initiating the movement? So at the point where I can feel him begin to initiate the movement, I could say that's the give. So maybe it's he took a breath. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like when my horse takes a breath? I'm going to release and click for him for beginning to initiate into movement because he began to take a breath, which shifted his balance. And I can grow the movement from there. Yeah. And you grow you so, grow it to a certain point. So I grow it in these nice, clean loops. So now I have this predictable, I slide down the lead, and this is whether I'm on the ground or I'm riding, it's the same. It works the same. I slide down the lead. I know my horse is going to respond. 
because I have this clean, predictable loop. And so now I release. And just so people have the image, so he turns his head, but his head is kind of at his head level. It's not high, it's not low. It's just like at the normal level and he turns his head slightly towards you when you activate the ring or when you are waiting on the point of contact. Just I get just a nice soft little beginning to lift up into, let's say the right bend. It's a tiny movement. Mm -hmm. So I slide down. I know it's gonna happen because it's been happening. I have a clean loop. So I slide down and I release, but I don't click. And instead of clicking, I slide down again and I ask again. And I know I'm going to get the response. And so my horse responds again because I've had this clean right. So I slide down, my horse responds, I don't click, I slide down again, giving the same cue, my horse responds, and I'll probably click and treat on that, or maybe I don't click that one, but I slide down again. And this time, when I, as I slide down, because it, it's a bit like bending a coat hanger. When you start out bending a coat hanger, it's very, the coat hanger is very stiff. So it's hard to bend, it only bends a little bit. But the more you bend it, the softer it gets, the easier it gets. So it's like you're building up a little momentum. You slide down, the horse responds. You slide down again, the horse responds. You slide down a third time, the horse responds. But as he's responding, each response creates a subtle shift, a subtle growing in his balance. So now as he responds, you feel the next layer in of his organizing his body into beautiful balance. And as you feel that next little nuanced piece coming online, as it were, you click and you reinforce. So now what you're doing is you're moving the click and it's beginning to act like a highlighter. So you're still saying, yes, you're right. By letting go, you slide down, the horse responds, you were right, I'm gonna let go. I'm gonna ask again, you were right, I'm gonna let go. I slide down again, oh, I just felt not only that softening in your jaw, but I felt a little change in your pole. Very cool. I'm gonna click and I'm gonna release and I'm gonna click. And that marks, that highlights that extra nuance. It's like it lights it up, it makes the uh, nervous system more aware of it. What just happened there? And so now the horse is paying more attention. What what did I just do to get reinforced? And so he's beginning to learn how to build that chain and organize his body so that he can add nuance by nuance by nuance the organization of his body into this chain sequence that produces exquisite balance. This is such a keys to the kingdom concept. I want to stop here so you can really let this soak in. When you understand the connection between the 
ask of the rain and the yes that was right information that the rain provides and also the yes of the click then the doors to performance excellence really open wide it's not just that you can communicate great nuance someone who is just a really good rider who doesn't use clicker training at all might say that well you can do that just with good riding you can do that with the reins alone you don't need the click and the treats but i would say that adding the click gives you so much more the horse really owns the changes you're asking for that's why our clicker trained horses routinely begin to carry themselves in the same balance that they would be in if they had that experienced, highly skilled rider on their backs. They, they know how to organize their own bodies. This is truly self-carriage. But they don't have that highly skilled rider on their back. They just have us. But we're still able to teach this incredibly beautiful balance that is so good for the horse because we have that added information that the click and the treat provides. So you benefit from it under saddle when you ride, and you'll also see that beautiful movement when you're working your horse at liberty. And oh my goodness, horses are so beautiful, especially when they are moving well, when they are in good balance, when they're comfortable and they feel such joy in the work. So that's what the riding is all about, to get to this beautiful result. Next week, we'll continue with this discussion of riding. We'll add some more layers to help you understand what I mean by riding on a triangle. So have really, really great rides. Stay safe and have fun with your horses.